Hey everybody, how's it going? It's MCW Podcast with a new episode this week with our special guest, Andy Costa. Andy, uh, you've been on the show before, but if you want to tell a little about yourself. Yeah, I live on the East Coast, uh, 42. I feel like I'm setting up a dating profile, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) father of four and, uh, you know, keeping with the theme. I am an uh, avid movie, television, um, comics, movies, I'd say. Uh, The Punisher was really my big comic uh, fandom and uh, a giant wrestling fan, which is uh, how Mike and I uh, became friends. Don't you also collect magnets? <laughs> I I also hunt wolves too. Hunt wolves. And and I hate people's knees. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't <Yeah>. have knees. <laughs> yes. If anybody doesn't get the reference, I am a giant, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia fan. It is probably my biggest fandom overall of anything. I'm psychotic with it. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's mine too. Yep. Um. This episode, we're just going to be talking about Shawn Michaels and anything Shawn Michaels. So, uh, I'll start off, and you can just take it wherever you want to go. It's it's your show. I'm going to do a saying that Jim Cornette says to <laughs> Brian last on his show is, I'm just holding the dog, you're fucking it. So, <laughs> he said that, that I was like, like, wait, Cornette. what? Yeah, that's <laughs> <like> Cornette line. <laughs> what kind of saying is that? Oh my goodness! So now I use it now. Um, oh, that's a great one. Your first Shawn My- Michaels memory. My first Shawn Michaels memory is definitely going back to him as uh, you know with the Rockers. Um, I remember the Rockers. I remember like the you know again. This is back in you know my childhood, the uh, the eighties. I mean, I was born in seventy nine. So they were like you know they reminded me of like the hair metal bands I would loved back in the day. <laughs> that, uh, they were coming out, and I just remember that them, you know, I, you know, growing up as a lifelong wrestling fan, I grew up watching World Class. Ever watched W uh, WWF, and um, you know, their style was just so different than every other tag team that was out at that time. They 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 just kind of changed it, even from you know, you talk about t- teams that changed it back in the day, like the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. Uh, the Rockers kind of took it to a new level from their time. Um, in mid South and then back when they went into the WWF, I mean, I was first exposed during the WWF time, but they were just uh, phenomenal. Um, You know, I wasn't a huge, huge fan of them then, but I loved watching their matches. Um, You know, I've always been kind of a a heel fan when I, with wrestling, anybody who doesn't know, obviously I'd hope you would, if you're listening to a wrestling fan uh, podcast, but the heels are the, uh, you know, the bad guys. Uh, They were huge faces so I was always rooting for demolition in the tag team division back then when I was a little kid um, but one of the biggest moments ever to me still in wrestling one of my and I was not even a fan of Shawn Michaels at the time I didn't become a long time a fan of Shawn Michaels until the last five or six years when I got back into wrestling I hated him um, but the one of the greatest moments top five of all time to me and what I would say is top two heel turns of all time after Hogan at Bash of the Beach coming out as the third man with the NWO is him turning on Marty Jannetty and throwing Marty Jannetty uh, through the barbershop window. Um, you know, I hadn't seen anything like that on WWF TV. You didn't see much blood back in that day on WWF. I was used to seeing that in my other leagues that I used to watch. And um, it was just so violent and he just became so cocky and arrogant <laughs> right from there. Um, 
But that scene with him throwing him through the window and Bobby Heenan's commentary is some of my is just one of my favorite moments of all time. <laughs> he jumped through the window. <laughs> yeah, look at that coward. He's trying to escape. I think it's the exact quote that Heenan says. <laughs> and uh, I just yeah. remember with uh, with Marty. I always felt like Marty going back as a kid and watching it. Marty mm-hmm. was the bigger deal, and you thought he was going to be the better one of the two mm-hmm. when they split up. But um, oh, sorry. Um, and then Sean was just kind of there. Yep. And then once Sean did that, that's when you're like, oh, like that's for me, that's when it clicked like, oh, this guy's really good and he has a personality. Yeah. And I mean, it was, you know, right after that is when they, they started with a pairing with him and Sensational Sherry. And um, because back then it was they didn't know if he really could speak all the time. So they gave him a mouthpiece to start like they do with a lot of people when they go on a singles career um, when they first kick off and they gave him Sherry and. You know, Sean's theme music, which he still uses to this day when he shows up places. Um, originally, Sherry was the one who sang the first theme of, uh, you know, Sexy Boy. <laughs> and uh, and then Sean did his cut later on. Um, but it's just, um, I mean, it was just great. I mean, he went from just, I look back on it now because, like I said, I, I hated him. I, I wasn't a fan of him. I was, this is one of the only times that I wasn't a big fan of like, and he wasn't always a heel, but the heel time. And especially during these times, like um, I remember rooting against him a lot because I was a big Razor Ramon fan, <laughs> um, you know? And uh, so they were always, they had the feud again where they, you know, one of the greatest matches still one of my favorite all time matches ever is, is them wrestling at mania in the ladder match to, to unify the intercontinental belts, um, which is just legendary. Um, and the one thing that like over Sean's career, you talk about big match after big match after big match that he had um, so many of them. And it didn't dawn on me until like this week when I was just looking back on a lot of them. He loses so many of them. Um, mm-hmm. But in, it, he's just so good at making the other performers look like a million bucks. And I never appreciated that back when you hear these stories of, you know, Sean. And then by the time you got into the click and just became an you know, behind the scenes, giant, arrogant prick, but was the best guy on TV, but was just insufferable behind the stage. I mean, it's just kind of what you were left. <laughs> you were left dealing with. This guy was just so talented and was calling all his own shots. Um, I just I, I, I look back in awe and see how absolutely talented he was and how he made these guys look good. Um, it's just it's really kind of it's really incredible. Um, you know, and and. And my hatred for him when I was younger also stemmed a lot from, you know, looking back was seeing at the time. Um, and this was probably, I mean, I had to have been a teenager. At the, I mean, it was probably 16, 17, 18 was uh, wrestling with shadows. Um, I remember seeing the Bret Hart wrestling with shadows documentary after the whole Montreal thing. Um, and really just despising Sean <laughs> at that point, like as a person, I couldn't stand him. I just thought you see you see that stuff behind the scenes, and you knew he had to be into it, involved. Um, yeah, he seemed like a weasel. He did, like but, in real life. Like but the just funny little... thing is, is, is later in life, once you hear the whole story about how Vince made them all say, swear that they wouldn't say anything, um, and you know, having to carry that burden of that lie for a long time when he was trying to like get rid of it for he didn't want to carry it. Um, you know, and then you find out now, you know, once now that you're older, in hindsight, 
you know, knowing a lot more about the wrestling business as a 42 year old man than I did at 17 when that all happened. Um, you know, my whole attitude on that whole situation has shifted to uh, Bret Hart was being an enormous prick <laughs> and a crybaby, and he shouldn't have been. You know, it was a a prop belt. Like you can't lose in Canada. Are you shitting me? <laughs> so your boss tells you to lose, you give him the belt back. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really don't have, as Scott Steiner would say, any simpy anymore for Mr. Hart in the Montreal screw job. Um, yeah. Cause he, cause they said there was other options. Like Taker was willing, he was willing to lose it to Taker in Canada yeah. and then Taker lose it to Sean. Yep. Like that was an option, but I was like, you you're getting paid no matter what. Just do it. Yes. And that's it. And again, as an, as an, as an adult now, when having jobs and worked forever and, um, you know, it, it's, you're basically telling your boss to go F themselves, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, going, you're, you're, you're leaving and you're leaving the job for a lot more money, millions of dollars more. You're coming out. Okay. Brett, give yeah. the belt back. You can drop it in Montreal. I'm sorry. Sean hurt your feelings by saying he wouldn't return the favor to you. <laughs> Um, you know, so that was one of the big, you know, I remember that, you know, vividly. And again, it's just one of those things too, where all these times he's always been one of these weird characters with me when I've liked wrestling. Cause I couldn't stand him because of that stuff. But as you know, Mike too, I'm a, I'm a huge DX fan. Um, and so when DX hit, that was just like enormous, enormous. Yeah. Like they were, they were huge, changed the business. And, um, you know, when you look back too, there's there's so much stuff when you talk about the Attitude Era, um, which, you know, is my all-time favorite. I know it's you can't watch half of it, and a lot of it would get canceled in 2022. Um, but it was by far, for me, the most entertaining era of all. And Sean, you know, has only started getting credit for being the guy who ushered in the Attitude Era with the, you know, people always talk about Austin 316, but Vince will even say it, and Bruce Pritchard has said it on his podcast a bunch of times, that, it really got ushered in that that night that Sean got his ass chewed out by Jr. because he stuffed the gauze down his uh, little shiny biker shorts and pretended mm-hmm. he had a giant hog in the ring and kept pointing at his uh, package. Um, <laughs> the next day, Vince showed up and said, "We need attitude." That was attitude. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just you look back on all these things. He's been such a major player, even with being such a jerk. I mean. He they trained the curtain call. Everything he's been involved in transformed the business. He was a revolutionary. Um, he was just a prick and, and pissed off a lot of people along the way early on. Um, but for me, it was it, it's, you know, during that time. And then I got with the attitude era. I mean, Sean hurt his back with Taker. Um, and then he was on and off TV for a while. He couldn't wrestle anymore. And you find out later on in life that. Um, cause I remember I'd be like, why they'd have him on as commissioner. I'm sure you remember these times, Mike, they'd have him on yeah. as commissioner, be on for a few weeks. Then he'd be gone. He'd be like, why isn't he on like every week? He's so entertaining. Why don't you have him on commentary? It turns out he was just so pilled out and, and hooked on drugs from, you know, from all his major injuries. And now he wasn't working and he had nothing to do, but, you know, get messed up all the time that he was, they were keeping him off of TV cause he was so erratic. Um, so it gives you kind of a different perspective on the man that, you know, what he was dealing with in, in that time frame. Because I remember him just being very, very up and down, um, off again, on again, TV, just um, and it just didn't make sense to me. Because when he was on as commissioner, I thought that worked really, really well for that role for him. 
Um, when he did the commissioner, didn't wasn't that when um, he did the he brought the midget out, the Bret Hart midget? No, the Bret Hart midget was the night after Montreal. Uh, okay, because that yeah. that was one of the greatest. I remember I was like Brett's coming back. What the heck? And then oh. then I saw that. And I just mm-hmm. <laughs> Sean could do no wrong after that, even though it was oh, wrong. Well, oh, <laughs> I mean, if you're talking even like promos, like he's just his whole like when you talk about you know wrestlers and the whole package, like Michaels in the ring. If you're doing a scale of one to ten, I mean, Michaels is the highest ten that there ever is in history. I don't know if there's another guy outside of him, maybe Kurt Angle. Um, you know, are some of the guys that pop into my head as the best in-ring performers that I've ever seen um, that just are on another level. Um, when you talk about promos and stuff, Sean, to me, can be such, you know, he would be very hit or miss, but when he was on, he was on. And um, I yeah. just got done watching the episode of, uh, it's called The Resurrection of, Resurrection of Shawn Michaels for Ruthless Aggression Season 2 on the WWE Network on Peacock. And it, it shows, like, you know, different promos, and it was, Again, you know one of my favorites, and we'll get to this, is um, is his his whole feud he had with Hogan in 05 in SummerSlam leading up to it. Um, you look back on some of his promos during that time, and that's where, like, you bring up that that thing with the, with the midget when they brought out the little person for, as Bret Hart. Um, that's when he went to Canada, to Montreal, where they hate him, and he sang Oh Canada and talked about beating in Hogan's head. And then... <laughs> In the middle of his promo, Bret Hart's music cues, and he looks afraid like Bret Hart's going to show up. And then it turns out he just he just did it as a ruse <laughs> for the whole crowd and pointed at him. Um, and that whole promo, you look at that promo where he had made his comeback, and uh, he had made his comeback to the ring and had been around for a few months, had been wrestling. And they had told him with the Hogan match that originally it was going to be face versus face, this just icon versus icon. I want to see if I can stack up against the immortal Hulk Hogan. And it turned into, no, we want, Terry wants you to be the heel. Um, and they told him that they wanted 98 Sean back. Um, and he goes complete 98 Sean in a lot of those promos. Um, you know, as a guy who, you know, I don't want to skip over that part of his story, but, you know, he comes back from all of the drugs, meets a woman, has a child, and the child does what you would hope a lot of people can do makes him give up drugs and alcohol finally. And he finds uh, he becomes a born again Christian, you know, and, and comes back. And so people didn't know whether or not the the Christian Sean had the edge that he had. Um, And that Hogan feud is just classic HBK attitude. It reminds me as close to any time when he did his comeback that even when he was, they reformed DX, that was as close to old school form HBK DX you get. Um, like he he's just spot on. I mean, you know my all my one of my all time favorite segments ever is when he to, when he punks Hulk Hogan and they do the fake Larry King live skit. Um, yeah, where he just keeps saying brother, brother, brother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking amazing. Um, he just knew how to push every button, and I mean, you know, bar none, I can't think of a guy who you know matches has ever put on better matches or made any opponent look as good as he does with across the board. So, you know, I, I think he's absolutely tremendous. Where do you, where do you stand on him? Mike? On Sean? Yeah. 
I if I you look at body of work, I think he's the best one, honestly. This mm-hmm. longevity and like 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 this is a comparison that I think sports people would get. Obviously, Barry Sanders was better than Emmitt Smith. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Barry Barry Smith's time was shorter. Emmett Smith did it for so long. You would have to give it to Emmett that he's better. But um, I don't know. Just Shonda's did so many things right. Like Brett wasn't always the greatest promo, and the only time he was really good is when he was being sincere and freaking telling people how he felt. Yeah, and that's why he's so entertaining now. But the thing, the big thing with Sean I really liked was um, the question I was going to ask is his outfits that he wears, even what he wears current day, in in wrestling and out of wrestling. Like, what are some of your favorite like? Because he has some pretty terrible outfits. Some of them are amazing. He has a lot <laughs> of great ones. But if you just see, like, he did a uh, the one documentary. Maybe it's that one you were talking about, but I remember watching it a while back, and it was like when he got clean, and he was with his wife. Oh. I think they already had a kid at the time, or she was pregnant, and he was wearing like these jeans that look like old mom jeans or something like that. <laughs> and his butt is just freaking huge, and then he's wearing like kind of this overall shirt thing, and he's wearing like yes. this cowboy hat, and it looks like um like a Toby <laughs> Keith hat. Yeah, that's what it was just on. He was wearing, and it, it's like he's not wearing like a, it's it's it looks almost like a wife beater t shirt. It's a black yeah. one, but it almost it looks like it, but it's got like straps on it. And I yeah, I, every time I was watching it <laughs> during that documentary because it's on a lot of documentaries because they show him doing Bible study. They show that that clip all the time in all of his documentaries on the WWE Network. And yeah, it makes me have very odd, weird feelings. <laughs> I look at it and think, I, I don't know what's up with this shirt, Sean. Just, um, what was the other was it 93 SummerSlam where you had those really high pants like they were like almost to his freaking nipples yeah yep yeah he's had some he's had some strange gear over the years at times but he also again has had some of the most absolute incredible gear um I mean I have to go with like again you and I are wrestling collector fans too with the figs but like my grail piece that I got last year was the Shawn Michaels defining moments from WrestleMania 25 against Taker. Yeah, um, it was amazing. And I absolutely, I needed it because I just love, I love that gear. I love how he came out in the white overcoat and the white hat. Um, that whole outfit to go around with one of the greatest matches ever. Um, you know, I love that match with him and Taker at 25. The next year when it's his retirement match is great too. Um, but something about the first one to me was just amazing. The entrances, everything, where it was like heaven versus hell, was tremendous. Yeah, the first one is the first one's still my favorite match. The second one was, you could tell oh, it was great. a sequel of the first yeah, one. It's great. So it it's was great. it was there was no build up. It would just get to it. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like you got to watch that, and then that, and then watch the the Hunter match, and then yeah. the last Hunter match. Yeah, no, those are great. Those are great ones. I mean, I go with like if I'm talking my favorite, some of my favorite Shawn Michaels matches just over his whole career, um, and in no order in particular. Um, but I've got to go with that. Like I said, the Razor, the Razor versus Shawn ladder match at Mania, which was officially the first ladder match in WWF history. 
Um, mm. WWE now for anybody who is not aware that they changed their name 20 years ago, <laughs> but um, that match to me is just special on so many levels and you can watch it too. And it still holds up. Not like I've seen matches, you know, from the eighties, I thought were amazing. I mean, cue up anything that the ultimate warrior ever did when I was a kid that I thought was incredible. I watch it now and I'm just like, Oh my God, uh, makes me cringe. <laughs> but you um, have like, he has the Rick rude match. And he has yep. the Hogan match. And the only reason why Rick Rude was good was because of Rick Rude. Yep. And he has the Honky Tonk yeah. match where he won the Intercontinental belt and he beat him in seven seconds. But yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> but HBK has just a whole – his everything where you talk about um, – you know, I watched that this week. Like preparing for this, I rewatched the uh, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels match, which is absolutely incredible. And it's, It was. When, and when you watch it, it's because there's this slow build. Like the first like five, ten minutes of it, all they're doing are rest holds. They're doing like wrestling holds where Sean's basically trying to show Angle that he can kind of keep pace with them in a real wrestling match. Um, so the psychology that he brought to it was great. Um, I always think about the two two big Jericho matches. There's the one uh, at the beginning of his run where it was just amazing, where it was Jericho going against his all-time favorite wrestler. Um, where Jericho yeah. turned on him at the end and kicked him in the face. Um, yeah. And then there is the return match, which my last time I re-listened to the last episode I was on with you where we talked about HBK versus Hogan. Um, you know, and we had actually, uh, we had actually discussed this. Um, shit, where was I going with this? <laughs> when he punched uh, Michael's wife? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hit, yeah, because Jericho, <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, on the... Um, you know, the highlight reel show that Jericho used to do. Um, yeah, he, he ends up hitting uh, Michael's wife in the face. It was completely by accident. Um, and it was they were supposed to have like a, just a little thing. And they said, no, we caught lightning in a bottle. They turned a total accident on TV and turned it into a tremendous feud. And we talked about that briefly last time. But it's um, to me, that's the that feud with Jericho, um, that second time where Jericho is that that real just quiet where he said he modeled his character and speech pattern after um, Anton Chiguerre from No Country for Old Men, um, where he'd be yeah. in a suit and everything. I mean, that that match is amazing to me. That's just a perfect match. Uh, it's great. Then, you know, you talk about all the times that Michael's like, you know, that he won the belt. And these are all matches that he lost. <laughs> like... Um, you know, he, he's he's been in so many big matches. He Those two matches we talked about with Taker, he lost them both, right? Just think about that. Um, I think yeah. the only big, like one of the only big matches you can think of, which again is another one that's near and dear to me, because when I think about my like Mount Rushmore and my all-time favorite wrestlers, I put Shawn Michaels at like one and one A with Ric Flair for me. And I hated Shawn Michaels up until about six years ago. Um, so this has all been very new. And I'm like, he's just so tremendous i can't believe i wasted so much time not really enjoying him <laughs> during you know to his fullest during the time when he was active but yeah he's he, he's great he just does it he he works in a fashion that makes people um i mean entertains the fans like crazy and when you hear every wrestler talk about him he just gets the most out of everybody and is a natural teacher that's why he is you know the, right now the big shot at nxt um, he just has a way of connecting with talent and teaching them. He yeah, definitely think, gets it too. I feel like mm -hmm. he's one of those 
even if someone craps on wrestling, like, oh, wrestling's stupid, they would mm-hmm. see Shawn Michaels work for like a minute and go, whoa. And they would sit down and watch it and like legit watch it and probably enjoy it too. A- any match yep. that he does. Absolutely. And I mean, again, outside of th- there's, you can think of whatever, but outside of the Undertaker's entrance, I really can't think of a guy who has a more iconic entrance in wrestling history. Um, Especially when he, he did the uh, WrestleMania when he beat uh, Brett. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And now and there's, there's a match too. When one that he did win, it's the, that Iron Man match against Brett, which is just an absolute classic with the two of them. Um, if anything, I think everybody, including Brett and Sean, both have said that they both wish they could have been a lot less um, giant pricks back then because they deprived themselves of a lot of money and us fans of a lot of great, great wrestling. Yeah, um, they could have had so many different types of matches that would have been, they would have figured out to make it a submission match, a hell in the cell, so many different things that they could have done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and again, see, you just mentioned it too. Hell in a Cell, the the first Hell in a Cell match ever, right? Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, and and Shawn in that whole match gets his absolute ass beat. You know, the story is the Undertaker is beating him down. He's locked in. DX can't get in there to help Shawn, and Shawn is in there with, you know, the monster. And what happens? Kane shows up, and that, and Shawn ends up getting the heel victory by putting his arm over him after he got Tombstone. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> But that that whole match, the storytelling in it, and um, you see some of the moves that Sean does, like things I haven't seen, like where there's one point where he climbs the cage in about two seconds and drops an elbow on Taker. I don't remember ever seeing a guy do that. Um, and I'm thinking about like his signature moves in the ring, like when I'm wa- I was watching these that um, documentary earlier, and and I was thinking to myself, I'm going, like Shawn Michaels in the ring to me is my all time favorite, and. The only elbow drop that I have ever seen to me that is better is Macho Man's. Like, I love when HBK drops that elbow off the top rope or, you know, whether it's through a table or to the ring. Um, you know, he just has a style of the way he drops his elbow that I love. That's when you know that he's going to be queuing up the band soon. Um, he's just a tremendous performer on the mic and you know, on a personal level, too, as an adult man who's screwed up plenty in my life and, you know, reading books about him and seeing him in interviews, um, I have a hell of a lot of respect for him as a man for turning his life around and changing that pricklish demeanor and attitude because people hated him during his first run. They hated him <laughs> if they weren't already in the click. Everybody couldn't stand him. Um, but he was his talent was worth them putting up with his shit, quite frankly. And when he came back, he completely did a 180 once he found God. And he was just as good as a performer, which take four years out of, four years off from your job and see if you go back and you're just as good as you were when you left. Um, it's I pretty. I feel like he was better. He just, mm-hmm. like, it, it, don't get me wrong. The best Shawn yeah. Michaels of all time is, yeah. for me, was that the Shawn right at the end. He just didn't yeah. quite have that match with Steve. But just I remember that build up with Steve Austin. Yeah. I think I wanna say that was around the same time they were doing the Sting and Hogan build up in WCW. Yeah, I mean it was I think it was ninety eight because it was in Boston. And that was the that was the whole Tyson thing. And Sean's back. They knew after that match he was going on the rack. Yeah. And I remember just why like having such a hard time trying to change the channel from WWF to WCW. Mm-hmm. 
just because yeah. of how good Sean and Steve were. Yeah, I mean, and then you're and you're right. That build the build up to that Mania match with Tyson um, and all the twists and everything that was going on with it was absolutely tremendous. Um, if I'm going by story and all of that, that would be one of my top five Sean things that he was involved in. But the match wasn't one of his best just because he could barely wrestle. He's wrestling with a ruptured disc. Um, you see him in that and match and he's in so much pain. Um, he's still really good in that match, though. That's yeah, insane. he is. That's what I mean. <laughs> he, but it's but it, when you think about the pain he was in and um, and you hear all the drama, like, again, the backstage stories that they've talked about where. You know, Taker was literally there ready to beat his ass if he didn't do the job because they didn't know if he was going to actually turn over the belt to Austin. Because at that point was when Sean would lose his smile or do whatever and hand over belts instead of losing them clean in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Which it's pretty he, amazing. Uh, Austin had to beat him. Like, there was, if he yeah. didn't beat him, it would have, oh, Austin wouldn't have taken off how he did. It would have well. I think it would have been a mutiny too. Like that was the only that was the only payoff you get from that. You had to go with that. Um, you had to, but but you, Sean was a, again was an erratic wild card at that time due to his uh, his drug use, his drinking and his drugs. You know, his, and he was done having all those sunny days, so he was probably bored. <laughs> but, you know, she's not a lot, having a lot of sunny days right now. No, no, no. Well, yeah, they, there's not a lot of sunlight. <laughs> Is she back in jail again? <laughs> I know she had some a DUI or something. I think. I heard but. she she didn't. I think she got detained and then released or something. But she's not yeah. in jail right now. But I think she does have a court case, and it's like I'm pretty sure she's not with the guy that she was with. But it was domestic violence, and obviously it was on her end. Yeah. Well, hopefully she gets her. So hopefully someday she gets her shit together. I can clown on her and joke, but sad. You know, don't want to see anybody. I've seen enough people go down from drugs and alcohol abuse and. Hopefully she can get her, turn it to, around at some point. You know, it's. Um, I, I don't think she's a good person, honestly. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's my opinion. I think that's a big part of it. I mean, that's it's. It, at some point, you just well, how, how can you be? I mean, after all that stuff that she did again, she was running around with uh, with Shawn Michaels and everybody, including her boyfriend Chris Candido, knew it, and she still says that he never knew, and he he may have never brought it up to her, but he knew. Um, yeah, she would say like, "Oh, we were broken up during that time." But we're yeah. living together. I'm like, that what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. None of that makes any sense. But yeah, I mean, Sean is just a um an amazing, amazing talent. Everything that uh again, his his in-ring persona, his 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 delivery. I mean, whether he's doing it on his own, whether he was part of DX, uh, whether times when he had a manager, you know, when he had Sherry, um, when he was freaking I mean, we didn't even talk about again when he had he he brought in Diesel. He's basically yeah. responsible for Kevin Nash. You know, we brought him in from WCW to be his bodyguard. Um, you know, the talk about the the cheesiest tag team name in the history, the two dudes with attitudes, him and Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> but if you you don't get much more nineties than if they came out wearing Varney France t shirts and glasses. Um, you know, but it, it's he was he was he was great. I mean, between that, the matches that they had during that, I mean he they talk about the new generation and that was during one of those times where they say the wrestling business was down and uh, you can only imagine how the business would have suffered if he wasn't there at the time. Um, you know, because the matches he was having with, with diesel, I mean, Kevin Nash as entertaining as he can be is not a good, re- is not good in the ring. No, um, what's the great you- matches are Sean. 
He did, yeah, because Sean had great matches with everybody. I mean, I love the Cornette line when he talks about um, Kevin Nash when he was talking about teaching somebody to do the diesel moves, and he goes, he goes, I got up to six moves, and that was with the hair flip. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is like one of the greatest like lines to talk about Kevin Nash ever. <laughs> but, and I like I like Nash, but you know, you had Sean just again. He had those times where he had he had Sherry for his uh, for his manager. Um, you know the. The other thing that happened when he did come back before he had his match with Triple H during that second comeback, you know, he came back as part of the new NWO in 2002. Um, that's something that people always forget about, you know, that time that he was in the NWO. Oh, when, God. When, yeah. yeah, when Vince unleashed poison in his own organization. <laughs> but but it led to that was where, you know, after that, it led to the Hunter um you know, I forgot all about how they brought him back, but I remember it. Which, you know, like, Sean got beat down in the in a locker. I mean, in a in a parking lot. They had like security footage, and Sean got it done. And he got his he was beat, black eyes, everything. And it turned out it was Triple H who beat him up. And then that's when Sean said, you know, Doctor said I'll be a hundred percent by SummerSlam. And that's when Sean came back for what he thought was going to be his one match, his last, his one shot and done. And uh I mean, that shot, that match, if you watch that one with Triple H, that's the one when Sean came back in the uh, white T-shirt that just said, like, Philippians and the Bible verse, and he wore jeans and wrestled in cowboy boots. And and you see that. It's his first match in four years, and he doesn't skip a beat. Um, And I remember watching that match with him and Triple H, and they were both busted open. I mean, Sean did at one point did, like, did he do this springboard, like a reverse springboard through a table on him, like, this is a guy who's sitting there scared that his, you know, his back is, you know, has been out because of his back. And he's doing he's doing backflips off the top rope through tables. It, it's it's really crazy to see. He's just, um, yeah, just an amazing, amazing performer. I uh, I have to meet him at some point. <laughs> yeah, he'd be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... John, what are you looking at? <laughs> um, what was I going to say? What would you say your favorite generation of Sean is? Like, what your favorite, rank your favorite times of Sean, like years, like, say, like 93 Sean, 98 yeah. Sean, 2000. I have to go with, again, my, my favorite has got to be that 96 to 98 Sean. Um, and I, and for me, it's all the swagger. I'm not even talking about even the ring. It's just, that was when it was peak a hole, but that was when DX uh, came in. And that period with him and DX, where they first came together, all the stuff that him and Hunter were doing leading up to them becoming DX, where they brought in China and Rude, it was. Um, and then all the crap they did after that. With you see the stuff that would, if you go back and watch that, it's so freaking funny, so out of place. You would never get away with it today, but the stuff that they did compared to the old you know, hokey superhero stuff that we grew up with. It, it changed the business after the NWO. I mean, they were doing it on one channel while the NWO was doing it on another. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they, they really, them and what in Austin, um, at that time really struck the fire and, and, and carried it, you know, until you had, you ended up having Austin getting to the rock and, and, and then that just blowing up the business. But that period with Sean with triple H to me was just my, uh, my favorite. They were just such jerks, such jerks, and so funny. Um, yeah, remember you know, they? Their, 
anything that I, I remember when they were starting and then they became DX when it was just those three. Yeah. Um, anybody they had a feed with or anybody they had a thing with was like, that was the biggest thing on the show that night. Anybody yep. that they were with. Yep. And you just see the way he antagonized, not even just the wrestlers, but the crowd. And it's funny. I saw um, in that documentary I just watched right before this was Michael Cole literally says, he goes, he goes, during those years, he goes, Sean wasn't acting. He goes, Sean was a prick and a bully behind stage. And that's what he was on the stage. He was playing himself um, on camera at that point. I mean, you see these things, like some of the segments they did back then. Um, I remember when, when Sergeant Slaughter would talk and he would spit, they had, they had those face masks with windshield wipers oh. on them at one point. <laughs> they had another time where they were, you know, making comments about Slaughter's wife and how she would want to, you know, man versus boy. And they've got this little wiener with a giant sausage and Triple H is <laughs> wearing a goddamn apron that says suck the cook on it. Like just, um, they were just so out of bounds and, and over the top. Um, you know, compared to anything that, like I said, I grew up in, you know, grew up in the golden era. You know, the, the, the hardest thing I ever saw back then was, you know, and that was before the golden era really happened. Really the old, old times was, you know, Piper smashing a coconut over Snooka's head. You didn't have crazy, crazy stuff like that happening. And it just completely changed everything, changed the business overnight. Or so, yeah. smashing a snake in a bag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then I will say, like, I, I, I loved that. Um, I, I, you know, the other time I loved, though, too, is the, I love the that tail end of his career, like almost as much where it's um, those last few years where, he, again, three years in a row, it was he wrestled uh, Flair at Mania with the, you know, um, I, I love you. I'm sorry. And then Taker and Taker. Think about that for his last three manias. That's a pretty awesome way to end your career with those three mm -hmm. matches. Um, and that Ric Flair match is all Shawn Michaels. I mean, Shawn Michaels even told it. Flair will say it, that he was scared to death. And Shawn just looked at him and said, shut up, old man, and let me do this. I'm going to make you look like a million bucks for 30 minutes. Like, and just he crazy. Yeah. Like Flair, Flair carried so many people, could have the greatest match with so many people. Mm -hmm. And Here's this other guy. When people are like, oh, Flair was the best. This other guy yeah. carried Flair to one of his best yeah. matches in his last matchup. And it, and and it's amazing because he said Ric Flair was always his favorite wrestler. He grew up idolizing Ric Flair. He he was his inspiration to get into wrestling. So I can only imagine how that you know I mean thinking about that and how, how that must have felt. Um, but the, I mean that match is just storytelling one hundred and one because Flair was limited. But the way that they they put the match together. They, it just is a, it's a great story. It's a tremendous story when you watch it all. Um, it's a shame Flair ever got in a ring after that and didn't just end it after that. Oh, <laughs> but God. he didn't need TNA to wrestle. He, yeah. he never needed to wrestle there. He, he could have just talked. He was fine yeah, he should have just been a mouthpiece. They shouldn't have had him wrestling in hardcore matches with Mick Foley with thumbtacks. Um, I'll never understand that, but. <laughs> That's why the match nobody theater. wanted. Nobody wanted yeah. to see that. No, I don't they think didn't. nobody wanted to see that when it was, it could have happened. I agree. I agree. But yeah, I mean, it, Shawn Michaels has just been a guy who has carried and carried and carried and just is um, an exceptional performer. Mm -hmm. And 
again, all accounts went from being the world, the, the industry's and the business's biggest prick to one of its greatest contributors. Um, you know, he has turned all that time that he was in front of the ring as one of the best ever to now transitioning to being um, one of the greatest teachers outside of the ring. And he had started even before that. I mean, a lot of people forget during that four year hiatus when he was um, not wrestling, he had his wrestling school in Texas um, and he taught Daniel Bryan. You know, Daniel Bryan is an HPK student. Who was the other guy, too? The, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, Gar- Garrison Cade? Or something like yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Lance Cade, right? Lance, yeah, he was with uh, Trevor Murdoch, I think. Yes, yep, yep. And he was Lance. good. Mm-hmm. He was really good, and then he ended up dying because he had drug yeah. problems. Yep, yep. But I mean, you think about that, like, like Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson. Um, again, that's a, he's a Shawn Michaels guy and you can kind of, you, you can see it with the way that, that Brian's worked, you know, except Brian's a little bit harder in the ring. He beats the shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has those elements of Shawn. I, I think the closest one I've seen to the closest ones I've seen to Shawn is kind of Danielson. No, uh, I, I, I'd go with Dolph. Dolph Jericho. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler to me is like, um, talk about underrated guys. Like in, in his, you can see his whole style comes from Sean and he, the way he sells everything. Like it's nobody sold like Sean Michaels and Dolph is one of the, if you see him, he's one of the best sellers. Every time he looks like he gets hit, it looks like he's murdered. Um, they, they dropped the ball with him big time. They, when they, they had the chance to strike, they, they, it, all you had to do was just do it, and they couldn't do it. Like, mm-hmm. yep. Now that again, that's that's WWE for you. <laughs> I keep praying and hoping that they can turn some stuff around, and and that I come back to being a uh, psychotic fan for them again. Um, I'm always going to hold out hope, but um, I just their creative doesn't doesn't hit me. <laughs> at just all. look what they're doing now. Like it's it's great. I see that people want it, but. It's Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I'm like, this is the same thing from four years ago. Yeah, I'm, I, I, with that, I'm actually okay with it now because at least those two have entertaining characters. They're, 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 you know, Lesnar's not doing the same thing where he's not talking. He's got personality again. And Roman Reigns, to me, like, I, I will say this, like, I've never been a fan when he was, but he is one of the best heels um, I have seen in God knows how long. Like, he's he is legitimately great and the things he says um he's just he's perfect in that role that was the problem wwe was trying to force feed him down your throat as a baby face and the next hogan for so many years that people turned and it was like make him a heel and now it's they show you it's the best decision they ever made um it's one of the few decisions they've made that have hit because they can't really for me they can't do much with the rest of the roster that gets me want to be interested because i'm not one of those i'm not a, a wrestling fan that you know, as much as I love it, I need I need storyline and I need I like meat and, and background. I don't care if it's just two randos getting in a ring and doing a performance. I like the story behind it, building up to that. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes a lot more it makes better entertainment and theater for me as a fan when I can feel a story behind it. It's like a, a long playing movie week to week. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. They yeah, they they've dropped the ball a lot of like Drew McIntyre, they dropped that. Yep. Um, Bobby Lashley looks like they're gonna drop that all over again. Like, mm-hmm. 
I mean, they you, dropped it. They've had Lashley. moments, but they screwed up with Lashley, like and MVP when they broke up the Hurt business. Like, yeah, that that was just dumb. That was a great faction. They had a great core. It made sense, and and they were dominant. And that they broke them up for no reason. They were together way too short. They should have been dominant for a while. Um. It just did not make sense to me. But that's where a lot of that stuff, They, if something doesn't work for one week, they break it up. They don't give it a chance to uh, to get legs and to grow in a lot of instances, unless you're a Roman Reigns or a Brock Lesnar. But yeah. That's my exactly. thing. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, that's my issue with them. Um, and I'm interested, like I, I used to, I, I never really watched NXT. Um and I would like to because again, Michaels was there, but it was like the old NXT. I could I I would watch periodically and like I've seen a little bit of NXT 2.0, and I can't I can't get behind it. The um, only thing I've seen that's good is um, Steiner's kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Braun Breaker. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just it, it, I don't know. It's 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 a weird state with wrestling right now. You've got all these companies now. You've got it's 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 again at a boom period with AEW back. You've now got EC3 putting a, 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 prom, a promotion together with uh, Adam Shear, who used to be Braun Strowman. Like you've got these companies coming up. Um, and WWE, that's the sad thing is they are so big. They're too big to fail. They make billions based off of their TV deals and um, and they're they're traveling that they can make money despite putting out a poor product at times, which is insane. <laughs> it's they're, yeah. they're on another level. You know, what's one that's coming up. That's been, uh, been surprising because Cardona has been doing it as a GCW. They've yeah. Making no, a lot of yeah. Noise. Very entertaining. I, I mean, Car- Cardona's just been a, again, a, he's a, he's a hustler. It's, I, People can say whatever they want about him, but that guy busts his ass. That's one. Of, that's the thing I respect about Matt Cardona. Um, is he just he he hustles and busts his ass, and he's a very 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 creative guy. <laughs> um, that's another know. guy they dropped the ball on big time. He could have. Oh yeah. Well, I wouldn't they, say they, quite they, win the championship, but just be right there, like mm-hmm. challenging for like a John Morrison. Yep. Type career. Something they well, Miss. and again, I think the most telling thing was how um, I've heard that story. Brian Myers has told it numerous times where um, every year, at, like after Mania, they would be telling you the story, like they would pull everybody together and say, The brass ring's there, you need to go and get it. Um, and after the year where Cardona was over all on his own and the fans loved him and they wanted him, they said that was that year if they stopped giving the brass ring speech, <laughs> that was the end yeah. of it. Um, <laughs> Because they were like, nope. We, he, he went out. He got himself over. We're completely lying to our to our talent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's 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 crazy. But it, yeah, it's just wrestling is at such a, a great boom period in a state right now um, that I I want all of the companies to succeed, and I want WWE desperately. People say things, and I'm like, I'm not a hater. I just don't enjoy it right now. But I'm hoping I they'll bring me back. You know, hoping they bring me back. And history always says that they will, but it's not looking promising. And it's just like, it's funny just to see and hear all the stuff now, especially hearing it present day mm-hmm. as it's happening because of social media and all that. Yeah. All the mistakes that they're making. It's like they're they're literally doing a documentary about it and then they turn around and do the same mistakes. And it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, this is where I'm, I'm interested to see how it's going to work with Cody Rhodes going back there. That's, that's going to be a very telling sign to me. Cause I, you know, part of me get when at the time when I got back into wrestling, like six or seven years ago was, you know, Cody left WWE, went on the independence and really built himself up. Um, and then now he's bolting back there, and I, I just we'll see what happens with that. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know what's in his contract, what they're giving him, how his creative is set up, but um, it's just very suspect to me. The whole, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you know he's going back and freaking doing polka dots or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm saying it's that, or are they going to bring back Stardust again? <laughs> yeah, you know they're going to screw with him. They, he's just going to be like how dusty if. Dusty was that great, and they screwed with him. You know they're gonna screw with them. Like, yeah, I mean, who knows what's gonna happen? I, I, I mean, I, I'm okay with it because people are saying, "Oh my god, I can't believe he left." AEW's in trouble. I'm like, AEW's in trouble. I'm like, they're we're at a point now in the period where you want talent to be jumping back and forth. Um, AEW signed so many people early on, and now they've signed better talent. They're gonna have to let people go. Um, so I saw Cody leaving as you know what? Now you've got all of these studs that you've been signing, you just gave up more free. You gave up free time. You, you freed up TV time for some of these other guys. Um, I don't see it as an issue. And Cody hadn't done himself any favors in the last year for me. So no, he's, I don't, he, yeah, he seems to get in his way. His wife seems to help get in the way too. Yeah. I mean, it's just more of, they tried and tried and tried so many times to get Brandy over every week with a different gimmick. And it was like, just stop. You know what? Like she does work behind the scenes. She's okay on the mic in certain times, but stop trying to put her in as an in-ring performer. She's They've got um, a lot better women in that division that should be getting that TV time. Um, you want her yeah. to be a manager, great, but just let her – don't always have her out there as much as you've tried. It didn't make sense to me. I think she should have been like a backstage reporter, like an interviewer, and that's it, and just leave her at that. She's fine at that. That's what she did in WWE. She, she was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I, I'm just very interested to see how that whole scene is going to play out. And um, and with yes, AEW in general, I mean, they do. They've grown so much and they've got so many people now at the top of their food chain. I just don't know how they make room and keep everybody happy. <laughs> yeah, I think Impact's going to get better and better. That's that's one of my hopefully they get some money and they can keep growing because there's so many so much talent out there. Yeah, Impact is trying to build people up. Mm -hmm. That's why I was really shocked that, like, say, AEW signed Danhausen. Um, Danhausen's great. Like, I'm just, I don't know how they work him into television and angles. I feel like he would have been able to be on more on Impact or something, but wouldn't have had the audience. So I get it, but I'm very intrigued to see how they do the whole Danhausen thing. Um, Because that act is so different and so unique. I just don't. I don't know how it works when you in that sort of uh, environment. I I kind of feel like they need to have Matt Hardy just have a moment of being broken Hardy mm-hmm. and have a match with Danhausen. Oh wow! How he does his yeah. matches, I think that would that'd be perfect. Well, I'm waiting to see when Jeff's going to show up because Matt and Jeff are wrestling on the Indies right now. They're actually wrestling, I think, this weekend here in Massachusetts. It's either here or next week or something. They're wrestling. Um, at a VFW here in Massachusetts. Oh, right on. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'm, I forgot where it was. I, maybe it's next weekend because I think the dates. I'm I'm going I'm going on vacation to Florida, and I think it might have been during that. Um, 
because I was like, holy crap, if I could go see the Hardys and actually, you know, get Jeff to sign my Ultimate Edition, <laughs> that would have been pretty sweet. But, and, um, what was I going to say? Gosh, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, um, I know I, one of the things I wanted to do is like a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Say, Sean, this hypothetical, if you could stick Sean in WCW mm-hmm. or ECW, in what time Sean would you put? So it would have to like match up like 97 Sean with 97 WCW. And how do you think it would how do you think you, it would have went if you went to either of those two? Oh man. Um geez. Well, right off the bat, I don't again, and I'm a big ECW guy. I don't think he would have been a good fit there for his style. Um, so I'd go with WCW. I'd go with WCW by default in that in that realm. Um and I'm just thinking in my head, it's just one of those things that how crazy would it have been if they somehow brought him out as the third man instead of Hogan? You know, yeah, I don't think it would have had the impact that Hogan is because Hogan would be in the face forever and a day. But, you know, you have that sort of thing. WCW at that time, he um, hopefully, well, that's the thing. I mean, he's he's so good, but WCW buried all of those smaller, quicker wrestlers. Um, but Sean was already such a proven talent from WWE. But but then again, WCW, we also all know what they did to Bret Hart, too. So <laughs> it's so hard. I, I, I think WCW would have been a better if, if you had to pick between the other companies, WCW would have been the better fit for him in his style. What do you think, like 98? Yeah, 90, 97 probably, I'd say, because. I'd want to be picking him before he did, before he busted up that ruptured that disc on the casket. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's it, it's that ni- 96, 97 Sean um, with that DX attitude during that whole new that, again he was going back going against the NWO on their t- uh, the TV time at the same time, um, and his his extremism was basically matching what his buddies were doing on the other channel. So I just think it would have been a, it would have been a good fit one way or another. Um, you know, and I know I know that was a big thing for him because he even used to say, I guess, to Hall and Nash all the time that, hey, when you guys go over there and we're kicking your asses in the ratings, um, don't come crying to us. And again, they they kicked his ass for eighty three weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I'd go with like ninety seven Sean and WCW during that period would probably be my pick. Yeah, because ECW, I just don't see how. Who does he really wrestle like? He's gonna have to do that. Those guys' type of style, like RVD, would have been it, and maybe That's Shane what I'm Douglas. Ron, Ron, RVD would have been RVD would have been the guy. Um, Shane Douglas wouldn't have wrestled them, considering the fact that the reason Shane was in ECW is because he hated Shawn Michaels and the Click. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he probably wouldn't have wrestled them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I that's the whole thing. His style just wouldn't have fit there i mean you had it but he would only been i mean he would have been one of those guys like a jericho uh, you know that showed up and wrestled like four matches in ecw um same way with like um eddie guerrero and dean malenko when they were in ecw and they had bangers of matches where they didn't have to do the shit but you have to you have to have the people across they didn't have that big stable of people that were actual legit wrestlers outside of an RVD who could do it without the chairs and stuff, but he used them 
Um, and like a Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn's a guy he could have gone all day with back in the day. Yeah, I could yeah. see him with, with New Jack. That would have been interesting. Oh, my God. I, I, I can only imagine that one. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> no scaffold match, please. Don't get on the scaffold winter. match, John. Winter gets sunny. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, did I'm just trying to think. Did New Jack didn't have Sonny, right? He had Missy Hyatt and Terry Runnels. <laughs> yeah, Terry Runnels. I, I don't know about Missy. I don't doubt Missy Hyatt. Missy, everybody had Missy Hyatt. So that one's, okay. that's definitely a thing. But I, I know the Terry Runnels, that was, you see that all the time where they talk about wrestling's most mismatched couples. And they were a couple, they were an item for a bit. Ugh, ugh. She's admit, she's she's admitted it, and he he had talked about it too. I wouldn't want Terry Ronald or not Terry Ronalds on uh, Missy Hyatt now. Like no, no, he no, looks no. okay still for yeah for age. Absolutely no, and she she seen and, and Terry Ronalds for however she was presented on the um you know during the Attitude Era on TV and stuff. When you see her in interviews and stuff, she seems like the nicest, like sweetest person in the world. That's um, what they said. Yeah, she just seems like a legit. Again, I think that's the thing that people always forget. You know, when you're dealing with these wrestlers, it's like they're all playing a role. It's like acting. It's just physical acting. They're stunt people that ha- actually play a role. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it just—I don't know. It's crazy. HBK definitely would not have been a uh, an ECW guy. <laughs> I couldn't. That wouldn't have worked out well for him, though. And. He wouldn't have gone out with any of those people. Sonny. Well, he did go out with Sonny. He didn't go out with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine him being Shane Douglas there. <laughs> oh. Shane Douglas was in WWF. Yeah. Dean Douglas. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very weird period of wrestling. Very, very weird period of wrestling. When everybody had an occupation. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's funny because you could see when they're trying to change. Like one of my favorites, again, because I listen to something to wrestle to. I, I used to listen to it all the time, and I, one episode I always listen to is uh, one of my favorites is the Brian Pillman episode. Um, and when Conrad is given the rundown of the episode when Austin is uh, going to Pillman's house and Pillman's got a gun, you know the famous episode. Um, mm. He's literally talking about how. Um, He's like, they keep cutting into this thing like, oh, my God, they got a gun. And he's like, all of a sudden you hear Conrad and he goes, and then we cut back to the ring. He goes, and then we've got, he's like, we've got a plumber versus the fucking Sultan. (laughs) What the fuck is this shit? (laughs) Bruce, what is this shit? (laughs) Like, it's like, it was crazy. They just, they were so erratic. They were trying to change, but they were still had their their old values but they were changing halfway like they had certain people they were moving with and then they still had this occupation old school nonsense going on <laughs> so it, it was a very that stuff's a very weird period of time that whole like 96 97 98 wwe is so so strange to go back to before the attitude era really hit yeah i'm trying to think of some people like jeff jarrett being the country singer Oh my God! You had T.L. Hopper, the the plumber. You had plumber. um, oh my God! This is back in the days when you had Bastion Booger. You had um, Kane was the dentist. Oh yeah, Sir Isaac. Yeah, Doctor Isaac Yankum, DDS. Um, my God, so many. Uh, 
yeah, you had the goon, <laughs> freaking hockey player. Like, so many bad, bad things. Oh, my God, the Portuguese man of war, which, again, me being Portuguese just used to anger me <laughs> as a kid. Like, I never understood what, what this guy's deal was. Which one was that? I know, I, I know I've know i seen him. In this show. Yeah, the Portuguese man of war was Aldo Montoya. It was uh, just incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was terrible. He had, literally had a yellow jock strap like over his head. He looked awful. He looked looked awful. So it was just a, a strange, strange period. And so that's even when you look back on like that new generation and stuff, Sean stands out like he's just such a standout during that period. It was him and Brett. And then you had Razor and Diesel. And then you had a bunch of other guys. You know, you had a few that would show up and like, from time to time. But they were they were the they were the show for forever. I mean, those were the guys carried the carried the company. Yeah. And they they really Without those kind of guys, because yeah, they, from the 100. 80s guys, you're never going to get people like Hardy, um, Edge, who are some other ones? Hardy, Edge. I'm trying to look at my figures right mm-hmm. now. CM Punk, Daniel Bryanson, the other Hardy, like all these different guys would have never came from the 80s guys because they weren't mm-hmm. those type of guys. That's it. And you see all the newer guys too, like um in the interview in the documentary I watch, you had these guys all talking about how Michaels was their favorite and got him into wrestling. Not even to mention Jericho. Jericho has always said that Shawn Michaels was his absolute uh idol in wrestling and what kind of inspired him when he saw him wrestling at his size to get into it. But you have guys like Johnny Gargano, um, Adam Cole, and who was the other that I just saw in the documentary? They these are all guys that were like this he oh Kevin Owens, those three. We're like, he is the guy who inspired me to get into it. He's the greatest who ever did it. You, we all try to copy him in one way or another. Um, and he made them all believe that people their size, it, it was that shift from the the 80s steroid goons that we grew up with to the smaller, more athletic, faster, just storytelling wrestlers. You know, instead of it being the ultimate warrior runs down, you know, he shoots himself in the butt with a with, um, does a cycle, runs down to the ring as fast as he can. Gorilla pe- press splash, run back to the locker room. <laughs> Thirty seconds, end or, end of match. How did you or, feel about the Psycho Sid um, feud with Sean? How oh, he was his bodyguard. Oh, I love. His... I I loved I loved. I loved Psycho Sid and Sid Justice, all of his iterations when he was in WWE. I thought he, I thought he was great. It sucks now that he's an adult and you see that every time he would quit, he would go just because he wanted to go play softball. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he was a monster. He, he was a legit monster back then. And um, yeah, looked like a million bucks. Talk about guy who had mush mouth in some of his promos, man. Some of the promo like botches you go back and see a Sid are some of the best ever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that that feud I loved. I I, I always I, I thought that was great. I thought the Sean and Diesel like that whole story where he had him as his bodyguard and they were tag members, and then did that slow burn and, and the change. We've seen it a million times, but that's really what he elevated Diesel. He's got Kevin Nash um, to the belt. You know, he he's the one who did that. You look at um, that Razor match. It's there's another Cornette line, which I don't agree with because I think Scott Hall is a pretty talented performer. And I think he was very charismatic, which is why I loved him as Razor and I loved him in the NWO. But, you know, he has that famous quote where he talks about that ladder match with Sean 
uh, versus Razor Ramon in the ladder match. And he says, yeah, you watched Sean wrestle a ladder for 60 minutes. <laughs> no, nah, Razor did so many. Razor did the spots in the, when Sean did all the leg work. I, I, I agree. I agree with you 110 um, percent. But that was like the cornet line, which I just think is hysterical. He says he wrestled a, a ladder for 60 minutes, which, again, a, I think that that gets short sells it very much. <laughs> that's a problem with Cornette is he lets his personal feelings get in the way of stuff. Yeah. Too much. Like with the young bucks, young bucks, he's never going to see. They do. They do some amazing stuff. Oh, but yeah. He says, oh, they did this flippy floppy shit. And that they do like their their matches make no sense when you look at no, them overall, but they they do amazing things and he just he cannot he he will never give them any kind of credit. Well, and that's the thing. Like I'm I'm not big on just flips and shit for the sake of flipping, but the young bucks are talented and their matches are entertaining. And when they're in the ring with another tag team like that, like if you've never seen a match with them in the Lucha Bros, like. Those are the best tag team matches I've ever seen is when they wrestled. That, that I, last one they had was amazing. And the cage match? Really... Yeah, the, the, you're talking about the one in the cage match where the Lucha Bros beat them for the title, for the AEW tag yeah. title? That was one of the best tag ma- matches, if not... The only match I can think I can put ahead of that as a tag team match in my wrestling history would be the, the TLC matches. The ones with Edge, Christian, and the Hardys, and uh, the Dudleys. Like those, those matches to me are some of the, the best tag team matches, but those aren't traditional. Like this was also in a steel chair, but I mean, steel cage, but those matches are just phenomenal. The stuff they did. And that's that match with the Lucha bros where they're in a steel, steel cage. I would have said before that, I think it was two years before a double or nothing where they fought in a ladder match for the AEW titles. The first time where the bucks won. And I saw them give a Canadian destroyer off like a 20 foot ladder, which I couldn't believe I saw. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know how any of those guys are still walking and not in wheelchairs. I, I, I don't get it, but, but yeah, I think the young bucks are great. They, they work at such a pace that I don't care about the storytelling because the stuff that they do is just so outrageous that they know how to make it work, which is how I know they're talented because I see other tag teams that do the flippity floppity and, um, and I have no interest. I'm bored. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who would you say Sean's best opponent was? Hmm. Man, best opponent. Uh, I mean, God, you know, I have a couple that I would go because I would have to go. I'd have to say Taker because he had so many amazing matches with Taker and then ended his career with those two mania matches. So Taker to me would probably be number one. Um, uh, you know, when you think of that, you think about the hell in the cell match. You think about the casket, the casket matches they had. Um, and then all the other normal matches that they had over the years. Um, and then another one I would say would probably be triple H. Um, you know, even all the time with DX, but when those guys had matches, they were just, so clean um they just they knew how to work together um in his comeback match with against him where he's in the the jeans at SummerSlam, where he thought it was just a one-off is just that is an amazing amazing match and um and triple h talks about it all the time how before the match sean michaels's mom was you know he saw his mom her he saw sean's mom and she was just emotional and 
Triple H gets all choked up talking about it. And he just went up to her and he's like, I am not going to let anything happen to your boy. Like, don't worry. Um, and he was like scared to death because he's like, how do I know that we're not going to go out here and I'm going to hit him once and his back's going to crumple and he's made out of glass. He goes, I had none of that. And he goes, and then Sean's doing these, these flips and all this. And I watched that match this week. I don't know how these guys can even act. Cause like you see Michaels during that match and the cell job he does. Cause triple H, the whole match is working his back. Cause obviously that's the story. And, uh, Michael sells it like he is absolutely just shot and dead to the world every time he hits his back. Um, that I don't know how Triple H didn't just stop in the middle and go, oh, my God, I killed him. Like, we need to, you know, give the X-Ref, get the get the stretcher. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it really shows the art of what these guys do. So I'd say Triple H is probably the close, um, is second after Taker for me with HBK. Unfortunately, with everything else, like, you, we didn't get a lot of Brett. We, I would I put Brett in the top five, but we didn't get enough Brett. Um, Sean didn't get to wrestle Austin a lot because by the time he was coming back, Austin had already or was already on the process of retiring. So we didn't get a lot of enough with him in Austin. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I gotta go take, yeah. I've got to go take her with it, you know, all day. Yeah. With Brett, Brett, it seemed like the timing was the same thing with, uh, with Steve is the timing was off. Yeah, they had their moments, but the timing was always off. Like right when they could have, just they couldn't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. Very and Hogan uh, could have been amazing, but Hogan blew that up. Well, again, and it was amazing for what it was. So I, I'm I love it because again, I just the the match, like I say, is. People have their favorite matches for a reason. That Michaels Hogan match for me is like a top five personal one because it's just so entertaining and over the top. And, um, you know, my my love of Shawn Michaels and my um, dislike of Terry Bollea <laughs> kind of uh, makes it elevated in my mind. All the drama you hear behind the scenes. And, and again, me getting that glimpse of old school 98 dickhead Shawn during that feud. Um really elevates it with me which which is great because i think it just proved a lot of people like it's like yeah i was kind of a dick but i could turn this off and on whenever i want to that's how good i am well yeah and i think it shows what a performer he was because again that was also the the catholic thing i mean the 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 born again christian thing where um is he going to be able to turn it on and he did um and he found a new way when he came back during that return like um that's one of the fun excuse me one of the funniest things is um when you go back to i think it was 2007 when dx reformed for the second time him and triple h um and whenever like triple h would make comments or like things that would have been like the old school dx like sean he would make comments that i saw a clip earlier where he said something about he was dreaming about all these cheerleaders like getting to it and sean basically pulls out a blindfold and he's covering himself because he's like nope i'm I'm not getting involved in this stuff. <laughs> or uh, they'd have girls like Flash and Sean, but before it would happen, they'd be like, oh, look over here. I'm going to go like work the grill and he'd turn. And then all of a sudden there'd be like girls with, lifting the tops up and Sean's not seeing it because he's the good <laughs> Christian boy now. So it was just, it, like their second run was still really, really good for DX because they made it, they made it like a straight comedy run where they were just ragging on the McMahons. <laughs> and, uh, and it was great. It worked. It worked for what they did. That's one of my favorite things ever. But 
then they played Vince and Shane. Oh yeah. Yep. It's one of my yep. favorite. I, I ever, just love all those ever. clips. Oh yeah. I just love all the clips too. Like the one where, where Sean is just backstage and he's just super kicking man, person after person. <laughs> it's just great. Cause I forget what triple H says. And he just says something. He's like, Sean, he's like, what? He's like, just super kicks like five people in the back <laughs> for no reason. Well, yeah. He is saying that he's not controversial enough or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and he just starts kicking people in the face. <laughs> it's great. Again, yeah. you, you watch you watch wrestling because you want to be entertained. That's why I watch it. I want to be entertained, and I'm never I've, I'm never not entertained when Shawn Michaels is on the television. And and, and I'm talking about what, I go back and I watch matches now, and I'm like, this, man, this guy is good. Um, you know, by today's standards, with all the flippy flops and all that, you're like, this guy is still the best in everything he did. I remember him, and really, that's when I really, really liked Shawn. Um, like it just took off for me, like how like the first time really clicking with Sting is he was having a feud with Mr. Perfect and it was on Raw and they mm-hmm. were fighting outside of a. It wasn't Madison Square Garden that they did Raw at, but wherever they were doing it at, forget the mm-hmm. name of it. And like Sean jumps out of a limo, like the roof of a limo or something like that, and him and Perfect are just fighting out in the street. Mm-hmm. And I remember their feud through that and watching that as a kid and really just liking Sean, knowing how good he was then. Yeah, and I, I vaguely remember that. But now I'm like, I'm wondering, because like I said, back then I used to not like Sean and I loved Mr. Perfect. So that was I was probably rooting for Perfect back then, <laughs> which is probably why I don't remember it. And um, I think that's when Perfect had gotten hurt, too, like mm-hmm. right, like right at, uh, before. I think he was like 94, 95. Mm-hmm. When he was out, I believe so. Yeah, because then he came yes. back for a bit, and then he left again and went to WCW. Yeah, I remember he was doing. I think that's when he was doing announcing. Didn't he do announcing right after Macho left? Yeah. Yep. He did for a bit. Yep. Okay. Well, again, and there's also the time. Like again, he he'd been in and out of it too. Like I don't remember, but there was the time. I mean, again, early on where Perfect was around, where he was, um, you know, with Heenan and Flair, which to me is just one of the greatest, like, threesomes in, ever. I wish it lasted longer. <laughs> but, you know, Flair, Bobby Heenan, and, and Kurt Hennig together is just, that's kind of an, that's just an unfair trio <laughs> to think about in today's standards. And whatever happened, you know, when Flair won the championship, and then Ramon comes up and is drinking champagne with him, and I don't ever remember any kind of story after that. Like Ramon just showed up to drink champagne with him. That was it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. I have to go back and look at all that stuff. I was I I've rewatched like the Attitude Era, um, like on the network and stuff. I need to go back and start watching some of the older older stuff, like that. Get back into the early '90s um, time frames. But some of it just doesn't hold up for me where I'm like, oh, God, this is too hokey. <laughs> so, Like the um, new generation for me, like I could watch anything new generation, even though it's terrible. It's like mm-hmm. the original Ninja Turtles cartoon. It's yeah. never going to be bad to me, even though it's bad. Yeah. No, I hear you. That, I mean, we all have nostalgia, things like that, you know, where you watch something and it doesn't hold up. And then it's certain things where I'm like, I don't care how bad this is. It's great to me. It's always going to yeah. be great to me. It's like comfort food. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that with a lot of um, 
like it's just funny when you see like classics like one of the things i you know not to transition i guess it's not because it's technically still wrestling and movies for your podcast but uh like i'm looking at my one of my pop figures and it's the um john nada they live one that i came in today and it's um like i remember seeing they live when i was in 88 or 89 when it came out and i loved it as a little kid i watched it with one of my sons a year ago and it's still holds up still a great movie um it's better than, you know, so many action movies that come out nowadays. Um, that's pretty much like a perfect action film to me. <laughs> and yeah, it's amazing. It really is. It's just a, it's a great, great movie. Great movie. <laughs> um, but it's entertaining. It just holds up. But it's just that's one that that does. But then you watch other films. I'm trying to think of one and I'm like, oh, my God, this just really sucked. <laughs> like. I remember I tried to show my kids this movie that when I was younger, it used to be on HBO. It's again, a hokey ass movie, but called teen witch. I don't know if you ever heard of it off. Yep. And I loved it when I was a kid and I tried to watch it with like my girls a few years ago. I was like, Oh, this movie was so like cheesy, but it was great. We made it through about a half an hour. They were so bored. They were like, dad, this sucks. And I was like, you know what? It does suck. <laughs> it was not entertaining in the slightest watching it. Now that I wasn't a, a kid or a teenager, it was awful. But it's yeah, never gonna be as fun movies. as it's it's never gonna be as fun as the Marvel Universe for kids. So what are they gonna do? You know? Yeah, there you can't touch that. You can't you could put like the original Thor that was boring and it's it's a decent movie, but you throw that back in the eighties or nineties, it would have been the best movie around. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like the Thor movies are kind of just like eh, they're like they're okay, but compared to the other MCU movies, they're kind of lame. <laughs> I'm not a the big Thor solo movies aren't great. He's great when he outside of Ragnarok, I should say. Ragnarok was awesome. Ragnar Ragnarok's amazing, and then Thor, the first one's okay. The second one, the Dark World or whatever, was garbage. I did not like that one. It's one of my least favorite MCU movies. <laughs> but yeah, like the first Captain America, same thing. Yeah, the first Captain America is just a retread. I like it, but I don't need to see it again. It's not like um, you know when you see the like for me, the Winter Soldier is just great. And then it gets, for me, it gets even better where you're doing, um, like, Civil War to me is one of my favorite MCU movies. I, I right. love Civil War. Yeah, I think it's terrific. Um, you know, and when that's when you're first seeing people team up and everything. It was just, for me, it was just something completely different. What was the new one that just came out? The, um, the one with the Asian guy. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't say the name, so I was in Yeah, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That was really good. That was really good. The new yeah, um, the, uh, Black Widow, that was good, too. And mm -hmm. I just, it, it had the vibe of the Civil War. So I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And... Yeah, I like Black Widow a lot. Um, I saw, when did I watch it? I, I, I had COVID in January, so I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> and so at that point, in one of my COVID days, I... Uh, I binge watched Hawkeye and like one laying down and, and that was tremendous. Hawkeye was great. I haven't um, tried it yet. Oh, I, I highly recommend it. It's just, it's, it's, it, it's really, really good. And I was a little weird because somebody had told me that it was like, they like, ah, oh, it's okay. It was tremendous. It was absolutely great. Like I, I highly recommend it out of, um, you know, it's, it's as good as some of the other Marvel series. Um, uh, I mean, we'll watch it then. Yeah, it's. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it yet, it's it's worth watching. Definitely worth I was, watching. I was not going to watch Peacemaker when you said that you have to watch it. 
Mm-hmm. And so I watched the first episode and I've been telling everybody I work with, like, you trust me. You'll know mm-hmm. by the first episode. If you don't like it by the first episode, you're not gonna like it. But it I haven't is met so a single good. person that has I've told I've probably got at least 30 or 40 people to watch it, and every single one of them is like, I just finished the first episode. I go, it only gets better, and that first episode is incredible. <laughs> it's yeah, it's great. And again, I'm not I've never been a Cena fan, being a wrestling fan or anything. Um, you talk about like this, like now I am a John Cena fan. Like I he is peacemaker, he's so good on that show. Like He's great. He's such a douche, but he's so like, he's so funny. Oh my god, the one-liners. It's my favorite thing that he does. Oh, oh, his one-liners. No, um, uh, just Peacemaker, the character. Oh, oh, I love that way more than anything he's ever done in wrestling, and he's done a a lot of great stuff. Yeah, no, and he he's just so he's so good in this. It's when you see a guy who. you see an actor or an actress who absolutely embody a role like it's it's funny because like when I saw like say when I saw Deadpool, I remember being like, man, Ryan Reynolds is perfect. Like he is he is Wade Wilson. There's nobody else that can be Deadpool. Like Ryan Reynolds was made for Deadpool. Um, Peacemaker, like I saw the Suicide Squad and I was like, OK, see, it was funny in that. Um, but it was a different it wasn't the same kind of vibe. Once you got to that show, you're just going, holy crap, like this is genius. Like um, he's so good in that role. And to me, James Gunn is one of the most uh, is just one of the most talented and creative people in Hollywood. Um, I don't think he gets nearly enough credit Um, to me. I told somebody he's the anti Zack Snyder. He gets it. He, he, you could tell with him, he can make a, a, um, like a Godfather type movie. Like he could do it. But he knows what people want. He mm-hmm. knows how to make something amazing. But he also knows how to, like, I, I know how to present this where it looks amazing, but has a story and music and all these different things that people want. This is what they're mm-hmm. going to enjoy the most. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's just such a different, like, again, you go into this and you're like, why? It, the fact that he chose to pick as this the glam rock hair metal as the soundtrack for this whole show and that Peacemaker is, like, obsessed with that music. Um, and it fits the show perfectly. Um, it's it's incredible. Like the music just fits everything, and the dialogue, the wittiness. It's just like I, I tell people when they don't see it. I go because for me, I remember the fir- when I was watching all the Marvel movies. The first time I saw like the, always the tell for me is when I see these comic book movies, which are comics that I know nothing about. Like I hadn't read an issue. I, but I still see them and I'm blown away, like and interested. And I remember seeing the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie and being like, man, that movie is awesome. Like blown away, loved the music, yep. the, the the dialogue, everything. And Peacemaker is just a hard R version of Guardians. Um, it's got the same kind of vibe but with the ultra violence um, and the over the top dirty humor. Um, and the, 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 the pacing of it with the dialogue. The characters, I mean, there's not an unlikable character for me on that show. They they're they're all great. By the end of the by the end of the eighth episode, the finale that I watched last night. Um oh my god. Did you I watch the finale? I watched it uh watched it last night. Yeah, incredible, right? The cameo at it the was... end. I don't want to spoil it yet because it's still new yeah. for everybody, but <laughs> oh my god, the cameos were incredible. Um just the way that whole scene did where he's just like, Oh, time you show up, we're done. You fucking dicks or something like yeah. that. <laughs> you, have, you have sex with fish or go have sex. with yeah. fish. That's just a rumor. He's like, it's not a rumor. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah, and then he's like, "Fuck you, Barry." <laughs> it's great. Yeah, the whole thing is just it's it's great that um that whole show has just been um amazing, and that's what I tell everybody. I say I've never been because that's what they say to me first off. All my friends because they're not wrestling fans. They go, "Well, you're a wrestling fan. You like John Cena," and I'm like, "I hate John Cena." I go, "I've never liked John Cena. I've never I respect him as a performer, but the character of John Cena, the hustle, loyalty." respect i hated him i know i'm a boosina guy <laughs> and uh i'm yeah. like i love him in this role like he's made to play peacemaker i hope he plays I always, forever i always tell everybody they um i tell them everything that you said like oh it's got this this and this and they're like okay and i tell them like the soundtrack like it's got cinderella and I, one guy's like well i'm watching it just because of that and then i said mm-hmm. then he's got a pet uh bald eagle called eagly mm-hmm and the one guy goes, "What? His name is Eagly? Yeah, because he's an eagle." I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, his name's Eagly." And that yep. dude, like, I it was, I saw him walking his car. You could see him still laughing from it, like just oh. the name. Oh my god! It's just um, like I, I remember seeing Cena do in that movie Blockers, which I thought was funny with the whole butt chug yeah. scene. Um, and within like 10 minutes of peacemaker he surpasses anything he did in that movie just with the dialogue and he how quick he is like his delivery everything like i i really was impressed with cena as an actor on the program like on on the show he's he's good like in the right role he's so freaking funny did you Um, ever see him in that stupid movie uh train wreck yes and he's banging amy prowler and he's just like yeah Look at these Amy Schumer, not Amy Poehler. Amy, Amy Poehler, I like Amy. Amy, Amy Poehler, I like. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Amy Schumer. Ugh. Yeah, Amy Schumer, you're gross. You're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but he was he was funny in Trainwreck. He's been funny in a lot of stuff. He was in another movie. I, it was with Amy Poehler and um the other woman who used to be on Saturday Night Live, where he was like a drug dealer and he's all tatted. Oh up yeah, stuff. baby mama cameo. Yeah, baby mama. He was uh then yeah. he did that firefighter movie where there were the, the hotshot guys or Rangers or whatever. That one was pretty funny. Yeah, I didn't see that one. That was funny. It, it's good. It, it's like a good one to watch with the kids. It's like a chuckle and but it's funny. Right. There's a lot of funny parts. Like yeah, PG, and then oh, actually, maybe. I just remembered he was in Daddy's Home too, also, which is a favorite of my kids. My kids love that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot, I forgot he's in that as the ex's uh, new new husband or whatever, or boyfriend. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's a good that's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, Peacemaker. Anybody listening that you haven't watched Pe- Peacemaker, trust me, you need to get on that. You need to get on it asap. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, you'll figure out pretty quickly if you don't want to watch it. Yeah, but I again, I I don't know any single person that. I, I I don't know well, one. <laughs> yeah, even Amanda, like Amanda's, she she likes what she likes. But if something's mm-hmm. really good, she'll watch it. And she she watched the last three episodes with me, and uh-huh. she's like, "That's really good." And I go, "We can rewatch it right now." I'm I'm mm-hmm. not doing anything. Like, yeah, and that's the thing. The show, the the dialogue and everything is so witty and so quick that like I watch it over and over and over again. I've seen so many of the episodes. Oh, like multiple times because it's they're just so funny the characters on it um i love vigilante is like vigilante is amazing <laughs> he, he won me show. over he won oh my me God. over big time 
Oh my God, he's incredible. Some of the things just, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, just what he says, I can't have, I don't like the way the fabric feels when I pee, touching my bum or whatever it is. Like he's two year old. <laughs> that like that part right there. And again, the part, I'm, I won't spoil it for anybody, but just the part with the white supremacists in prison. That's all I'll say. That that part, <laughs> that part right there endeared him to me. Just anybody who walks up to a group of white supremacists and asks, this is, why don't we have a conversation and talk about um, African-Americans um, contributions <laughs> to American society? <laughs> like, why well, I, I tell just, the one dude, the one dude who goes, are you mad because you, uh, your, your old lady, your sister that you have sex with didn't call you or something like that? And yeah, goes, yeah. What? He, like, he, go, <laughs> he tortures every one of them. Like he just goes around the table and torches them. And it's abs. That whole scene is so incredible. Like if you ever want to see a bunch of uh, Nazi skinheads get put in their place and absolutely punked out, it's, it's just brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's a brilliant Robert scene. Patrick plays such a good job being the, the a-hole yeah. white supremacist dad that you really feel like he is. Like I feel like that's how he is in real life. Yeah, I mean the thing that's the thing, him, everybody on that show, like um the actor who played Mern, um Adebayo, Hart like um Hard what's her name? Hard Hardwick, not Hardwick. Um I can't even think of it. The the blonde, um, then there's Diabeard. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, the, the whole team, like the whole group, everybody on that show, whether in a big part or not, like is tremendous. Um, Judo Master, the, the fact that he just randomly, every time you see him, he's eating flaming Cheetos. Like, <laughs> I, I don't get it, but it's hysterical. It's hysterical that this 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 little dude is just eating che- flaming hot Cheetos everywhere he goes during that show. Because I'm always wondering, where does he have them? <laughs> How is he storing these flaming hot Cheetos? Yeah. Everywhere he goes. Yeah, it's it's an incredible show. Mm-hmm. All right, Andy. Well, I'm gonna got it. I gotta get going. Uh, yep, no problem. Me too. We're an hour and a half in, so pretty good show. Yep. I gotta Absolutely. get some uh, wedding stuff together. And, no worries. Uh, I'm gonna finish my beer and order some food. And uh, thank you for having me on the show again. And I will uh, look forward to the next time. Right on. Yeah, there'll <laughs> definitely be a next time. So. Appreciate right, you, man. No problem. Have a good night. You as well. All right, Talk everybody. Have a good one. You have a good one, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.